recently went to see the movie Creed in the cinema. And this film tells the story of a young aspiring fighter named Adonis Johnson. And he is the son of the famed Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies, a fact he tries to keep under wraps. And yet his great dream is to become a professional boxer. And he pursues this goal with an uncommon grit, stubbornness, passion, and determination. And he knows in order to be the best, he needs the best. And so he looks up Rocky Balboa. And with a little finagling and persuading, Rocky agrees to do it. And they become very close. I dare say they become family. And Adonis knows that with Rocky Balboa in his corner training him, with his blessing and companionship, he can fight any fight, even if he loses. He will always give the best shot. And he learns so many lessons along the way. I'm not going to do a little spoiler here. But... <laughs> but he learns whether the fight is boxing or cancer. It's important right, to keep going with hard work, determination, sacrifice. He learns how to love a woman. He learns that the real opponent is not outside, but inside, right? We're our worst enemy. How powerful is that, isn't it? How powerful is that? And you see, why do movies like this light our fire a little bit? Because they reflect what life is really about. Because you, I, we all desire greatness. And yet we struggle against the paralyzing forces of sin and despair. And yet God does not leave us alone in that, does he? He comes to our assistance. And we look first at the baptism of Jesus Christ, right? The moment when the Father becomes his trainer, right? There is Jesus in the waters of the Jordan River, and he gets his Father's blessing. He says, you are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon our Lord, and so our Lord knows that with the Father's blessing and the Holy Spirit's companionship, that he can fight any fight, right? He can now proclaim and inaugurate the kingdom of God in this world. And so what about us, right? Think about our own lives, right? When you were baptized, God became your trainer, right? There you were. And God said, you are my beloved son and daughter. With you, I am well pleased, right? You were washed, aren't you? Saved by water and the Holy Spirit. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And let's, you have to realize this too. This is the most important thing about you, and it always will be. He said, we human beings, is it not true to say, seek to furnish a personal sense of meaning and self-worth, I would say this, in so many different areas, don't you? In money and power and pleasure and success. And yet, when those things are most important, when that's what you chase, it will inevitably eat you up from the inside out. You see that? The only place to go to find a personal sense of meaning and self-worth is to know that you are the beloved of God and nothing can take that away. To always hear reverberating in your, in your ear, in your soul, you are my beloved daughter. You are my 
beloved son. You're not worthless. Right? You're awesome. That's what God says. Isn't that amazing? That's what God says. And so then once you know that, you know who you are. And then what are you ready for? The fight. <laughs> right? The fight. I'm going to punch you. I'm just kidding. No, but anyway, you're ready for the fight. I was going to scare you. I'm not punch you really. But anyway. So now where is your fight? Where is your arena? Well, it can be at home. It can be on the streets. It can be at Kroger. <laughs> it could be at work. Right? And you may not have fans shouting your name and going crazy. But know this, huh? the saints and the angels are, aren't they? The saints and the angels are. Right? And your task, the church says, is to suffuse and to permeate the world with what? The spirit of the gospel. That's interesting, isn't it? That's your mission as a baptized Christian. In whatever arena you're fighting in, to suffuse and to permeate that with the spirit of the gospel. And what, what is one of the best ways to do this? Well, think about what that second reading said today. So the grace of God appeared saving all in training. It uses that verb training. Then it says a few different verbs. It says training you how to live. How are you going to live your life? Temperately, justly, and devoutly. Why should we live that way? Have you ever thought about that? Why should we live that way? I don't know if you knew this, but right, we're supposed to be instruments that God uses to manifest to the world his love. His glory. That's who we're supposed to be. But if we're all tangled up in ourselves, if we're all wrapped up in ourselves, if we're all, you know, addicted in devices, God can't, it's going to be a little more difficult for God to use us. Do you see that? So think about what he says, temperately. How can you even talk about temperance in the United States of America, right? I mean, you got Las Vegas and Lamberts. Have you all been to Lamberts? I mean, home of the throat rolls, right? When you go there, if you don't get knocked upside the, hot, the head with a, with a steaming hot roll, what happens? They have to roll you out because you ate too much. <laughs> Am I right? How can we talk about temperance, right? Think about this with respect to temperance. What does temperance do? It moderates the sense appetites. And you guys got appetites for a whole lot of things, don't you? Some of y'all have an appetite for sleep right now. Just kidding. <laughs> and, and food and drink. Pleasure. That's in that temperate, right? We have those. And get this everything God made is good. He caused it good. And when we use those created goods according to God's purpose, then what does it lead to? Human thriving, human excellence. What does Irenaeus say? The glory of God is you fully alive. That's what God wants. But if you want to be fully alive, then you have to use God's created goods according to their purpose, right? Think about that. And so what is one way to do that, to be more temperate? What's coming up in February? Lent. What do we do during Lent? Fast. What are you going to fast on? Bread and water Wednesday and Friday. You do it or you're, you don't do it, you're going to hell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But fa- oh, he's, he's just kidding. Right? Like, Bishop Stein, father says this. <laughs> no. Whether Facebook or... Twinkies, they still make Twinkies, whatever it might be. And don't forget, I love what uh, Matthew Kelly says. This is always good to remember. He says, every time you say no to something, it's not a loss, it's a gain, right? You gain something, you gain another ounce of self-control, another ounce of self-mastery, right? And if you're in charge of your own life, and if you have temperance, then God can use you better. Is it not true to say? And then, think about justly. 
right? Live justly. Why should you be just? And here's the big reason. You know why? Ready for this? Because God made you just. You're a sinner, as am I. But God does this thing called forgiveness, and he fills you with his Holy Spirit, so that now when God sees you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. Does he make that sense? So God makes you just. He makes you holy. And so you, in turn, must be just. How can you do this? Suppose that you got a business. Anybody business owners here? And you have all sorts of clients that come in. All right? How easy it would be to focus exclusively on profit, right? Making money. When you have all sorts of different people coming in, rich, middle class, poor, all different economic classes, right? And they say, well, you know what? What's most important is profit. And so it's not, it's not my fault that they're not savvy. It's not my fault that they don't know this. So I'm going to do what I can. Whoever I'm dealing with, get the most from me. That ain't just, is it? That's not just. <laughs> and God obviously looks upon that, doesn't he? So live temperately and live justly. Then that last one he says is this. What does he say last? What does he say last? Devoutly. What does devoutly mean? It means that you should put on a monk outfit, walk around your house, put on Gregorian chant, and keep your hands folded. And if you do not do that, you are not devout. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do we live a devout life? Really quite simple. Live in the presence of God. As someone once said, they had the invisible bishop rule. <laughs> right? Would you do that if the bishop was right there in the corner? Now, don't see God as like Santa Claus, please, right? Right? Taking a list, checking it twice. He's going to see if you're naughty or nice. God ain't Santa Claus, kids! Right? God's a loving father, and he loves you so much, and he wants you to flourish, and he wants you to be the best you can. And so, therefore, you live in his presence and try to please him. Right? Is what you're doing pleasing him or not? It's a good rule to be devout <laughs> right? so here's what I said who are you God's beloved child what does it mean what's your mission to suffuse this world with the gospel or with God's love and you do that by the way you live your life and three ways to do that is by living temperately justly and devoutly amen